Welcome and thank you very much for coming out on a Thursday, Birmingham. Hello. Yeah. Give it up. Uh, um, and welcome, of course, also to Trash Future, the podcast about how I fucked it up already. About how if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, the future is and will be trash. I don't say that enough. Um, I so I've gotten pretty bad at it, but nonetheless. Um, by show of hands, uh, out of curiosity, how many people are here who are familiar with the podcast? Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank fucking thank God. God. <laughs> because Some of you were maybe in Bristol where we had a walking tour of Bristol radical history come in and none of them had seen or heard the podcast ever before. And there were a lot of very nice old people who were confused as shit. <laughs> so needless to say, thank you for coming, Trash Future fans. Huh. Right, so... Um, as I say at the beginning of most of our um, studio recorded podcasts, uh, we have quite a bit to get through today because as ever, uh, the world continues to be a dystopia. So I figure we might as well just uh, quickly introduce ourselves for the podcast audience listening at home because sometime in the future, if sort of the world still exists and civilization still exists and the power grid still exists and all this... People will be listening to this at home. So, I am Riley. You may remember me from every other episode of this podcast. I'm joined today by Nate, who is sitting between the couch and the boards. Hello, everyone. Producer, nice to see you all. Uh, Hussein. Hey, what's up? Uh, Soweto Kinch, returning champion. Hey, hey. Uh, back. <laughs> and uh, the part of Alice Caldwell-Kelly today will be played by this houseplant, uh, because she was unable to make it down from Glasgow uh, for for this recording, but uh, we wish her well. Anyway, I have, as I so normally uh, do, have a, yes, I have, see, the editing really helps. Um, I have found uh, a startup that is probably worse than the one that's the payday loan shark. It's worse than that one, and I'm very excited to share it all with you fine people here. Um, and Usually, I would say the name of the startup before getting into the um, startup dystopian startup guessing game, but this one's too obvious, so I've actually blanked out the name. They offer, this is from their copy, better blank with AI-driven prediction. Is it like a house arrest, prisoner recidivism thing? They're like, we can predict when you'll have the opportunity to re-imprison this person. The problem, the problem with this one was that it was too obvious. That's Orgasms. sort of in the same ballpark. I knew Orgasms, it. I, knew right? it. I, can just, I can sense it. <laughs> so, what Orgasms. do we think? Okay, so we've got a dildonics. It a optimizes dildonics. the time when you should be busting and when you shouldn't be. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's like a Google Calendar, but for busting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Excellent. Be great. That'd be so, okay. Normal Bait. podcast. Baiting. Job game or something uh -huh. like that. <laughs> I mean, uh, unfortunately, Nate's the one who's closest to being right. Um, and it's the most dystopian answer. So, um, from implementation to adoption to long-term success, our services are designed to uniquely help you derive the most value from your blank investment. Bail bond investment. That's quite literal. Um, no, not, not bail bonds, unfortunately. This one is super, super dystopian. It was a real delight. 
uh, to work through their ad copy like, and figure out like a child like giving yeah. birth to a child human, and they're referring human. to a child as like an investment, investment Embryo. Closest so far. Whoa. The closest. Oh, closest, closest has Whoa. been the gentleman. Um, the gentleman in the vest. Uh, you like, are remarkably close. Is it like Uber, but for like migrant house, like housekeepers and stuff? Get close. Very like, close. Oh, really? Wow. Oh shit! I'm sorry. It exists. Rent an rent an <laughs> rent Amazon worker warehouse <laughs> worker. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unwrapping um, parcel guy. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one more. We leverage artificial intelligence, video, and gaming challenges to collect key blank insights, enabling your organization to make more informed decisions about firing people. Opposite, hiring people, but <laughs> it's like to determine how how long they're gonna last before they can get fired. Unfortunately, wow. that's a big part of it. <laughs> Uh, don't we love the job market? <laughs> My favorite part of it is how, you know, um, there is now a, a service called HireVue uh, that takes a video of your face to determine how well you perform at the job. I'm not, I'm, wow. I wish, I wish I was, I was joking about that. It's I'm like a Tim Ferriss, like LinkedIn post, right? Where I think one of these kind of Tim Ferriss, Jay Shetty guys actually post this on LinkedIn where it's like, you can tell if this person's going to be like good in your organization or good for your lifestyle brand just by looking at their face, wow. like your facial features. And you know, like how there's the notion of like the golden triangle, like the golden ratio yeah. that you should have to be like attractive. It's like that, but for like to run your juice stuff. I just had an idea for, for something even worse. What if you could hire an actor to do your hire view video? So like get Dolph Lundgren, you'd be like, I fucking love spreadsheets. And it's just like, you're going to get the job now, you know? I mean, square jaw, chiseled features, love spreadsheets. What Very Aryan. Not that that matters, of course, to these people. Because no, this isn't definitely just... I do, I do need like a group of people who look exactly like Jason Statham to help me run my, my startup in which I rent Amazon warehouse workers. Um, so this is Higher Views executives uh, describing their own company. In a video-based assessment, you record your responses to a series of interview questions in your internet browser or on your mobile on your mobile device's camera. Um, you can and you can complete the interview at the time that best works for you. So when they say they're empowering uh, workers. This is sort of what they mean. <laughs> we are we are going to make it so that you can do a job, an AI-driven phrenology job interview, but at a time of your convenience. <laughs> no more going into the office to get to get inconveniently calipered by, you know, <laughs> by Jonathan J.P. Morgan. No, you can do it at any time at any of your jobs. <laughs> uh, uh, so predictive analytics, they say. Learns from the responses of candidates who've taken digital interviews previously, uh, and then it learns that from the many thousands of different traits expressed by candidates during those interviews, codifies the traits of interviewees who go on to become top performers, and then looks for those traits in future candidates. So it literally is phrenology. It is literally, yeah. it is wow. literally digital phrenology. But the thing is, it's being widely adopted across the US and UK. This, this company has like every large firm as its client. So, you know, if you want to get a white collar job, you'd better be a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's <laughs> more than ever. <laughs> wow. wow. So it just sort of naturally weeds out people who have errant faces in some, in some way. 
Oh yeah. Big nose, like juggalos. <laughs> Double chins, just out. Yeah. Just not gone. Right gone. You better fucking look like those twins from the social network, or you are not getting a job. <laughs> so they, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. Every, I, every time I do the podcast and we do a product, I always say this. I look at this startup. I look at their ad copy. I'm like, no, surely not. You couldn't. Po- this couldn't possibly be a transparent front for loan sharking. This couldn't be a digital version of phrenology calipers. And it always is. Um, so here are some of the FAQs uh, that Higher View has helpfully provided. Uh, because if you want to know one of the other secrets to um, making uh, the Trash Future podcast, look at the FAQs of the companies because that's where the psychos write. FAQ number one. Will I need to make eye contact with my camera? (laughs) Answer. Not necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) A higher view video-based assessment is looking at tens of thousands of micro factors. Every single point on your brain and your skull. Yeah. No shape. Yeah, absolutely. All of that. Um, they're also going to test your history of like, you're going to test your knowledge of like white history, maybe like just a bunch of, of odious dog shit. So one little movement or individual factor may make very little difference in the overall score. Just do what feels natural while answering, um, questions into an AI device that lives in your phone that will determine (laughs) if you get to continue eating and living in shelter and stuff. (laughs) But also, I mean, like if it's looking for success traits, I mean, when you get down to it, Myra Hindley was very successful at what she did. So is that the success rate they're looking <laughs> right, for? Right. Uh, micro expressions as well, right? Oh, yeah, Detectives absolutely. Detectives do all of that. And I, I suppose, in a way, AI is able to filter out people who have like, no emotion mm-hmm. at all, in a way. Like, people Although, who feign crying and no tears come out. In investment can... banking, I don't think it would. <laughs> if it's looking for successful people, I don't think it would be filtering out emotionless psychopaths from banks. Filtering out to, to employ them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, we're, we're putting them, them. We're putting you a fast track to vice president. Um, and also, what I really enjoy is uh, so. What sort of competencies are evaluated in this video-based assessment? Uh, we typically look at soft competencies like communication skills, conscientiousness, problem-solving skills, team orientation, and initiative. Again, by watching you talk into your phone, it doesn't make it. It really makes very little sense to me. Um, uh, the, and the competencies in your video assessment are selected by our psychologists to reflect the skills and characteristics that are most important in being able to perform well in that job role. Normal. So whatever your phone can, you know, determine about you from, you know, you saying, giving, stammering into into your phone like, oh, I think my greatest weakness is that I work too hard. Um, <laughs> it's going to then look at 10,000 different elements of that and make a decision about if you die. <laughs> It's pretty dark, right? I want to know what the psychologists do. Like, what, what do they do when they get these videos? And like, because that's like really bad psychology. It's really bad. Like, you know. Yes. It's just bad. It All of it's bad. I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond but to do it. Do you have to record it on your phone? Oh yeah. I thought you could do it on a desktop too, though. Yeah. But you imagine like if you have a sick gaming headset and you're giving this <laughs> speech and you're like, I'm really motivated in what I do. And they're like, what if you did it? If you did it in your first like furry outfit, is yeah. that is that resistance? That's absolutely. They're going to be able to see all of the all the, the micro expressions of your extremely kawaii fox outfit. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking about like how you play the system. So like maybe you can do anything from like wearing shades to like 
wearing Joker makeup. Uh-huh. And because it's AI, it's not going to tell you like what's up with your face. It's just going to yeah. accept it, right? Exactly. It's like, hey, mm, we don't know about you, but that anime cat girl on the poster behind you seems like a real go-getter. <laughs> I just imagine HR look like, I actually want to know where he got all those scars. <laughs> Political correctness has gone mad. You're no longer allowed to ask the Joker where he got his scars. <laughs> it's considered a microaggression. <laughs> See, um, we normally have to make up Brendan O'Neill columns, but now we can just write one on the fly. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to get... So, here is... I, I found a little bit more information about uh, Higher View. Um, and this is from a, the AI Now report on the social implications of AI and video and whatnot. Um, and so they're, they basically lumped higher view in with a bunch of facial recognition technologies, which they could say, excuse me, are a subclass of technologies that claim to detect things such as personality, inner feelings, mental health, and worker engagement <laughs> based on images or videos of faces that note they can also continue to be taken when you're at your job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you'd, <laughs> if you're going to... If you're going to like go take too long of a shit and then like post too hard and grumble, then they're definitely going to consider giving you a two out of five on your performance review. You weren't happy enough in the corridors. Um, very dystopian, this one. Um, however, they say this is called affect recognition, which is little more than a modern form of Nazi race science. Uh, and researchers are worried about a reemergence of... Uh, physiognomic ideas in these affect recognition applications. So when we say it's a modern form of phrenology, it's like literally true because it's a system that's teaching itself to select top performing candidates, but top performance is defined by what a, what a group of, A, what your face looks like throughout the day, but B, what a bunch of um, mostly white, mostly male, mostly cisgendered, and mostly heterosexual guys at the top of investment banks think of as good performance. I can't see how this could possibly go wrong. I love the idea of you, you just get the job by playing American Psycho into your camera, and they're like, this guy's amazing. I, lo- I, I love his morning routine. His abs are just so symmetrical. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to be the new way to get a lot of money, is be a higher view cam girl. <laughs> I mean, you're already you're talking to rich corporations. They have a lot of money. You know, they're they're analyzing tens of thousands of bits of whatever it is that you're doing. There, there was a guy years ago uh, who he was a, a programmer working for like the U.S. Department of Defense, and he had a laptop key, like a like an encryption key, to work on whatever thing he was doing for his contractor job. And he found a bidder on a, a, like a auction site and shipped his computer and his key to like a programmer in China. And the guy just did his job for him for like two years. And it wasn't <laughs> until they had like he had to come in for some performance review. They're like. Wait a minute! You don't they didn't recognize any of the stuff, and they realized that he had done this. Of course, he wound up going to jail for it. But in a way, it's kind of brilliant because if you did that, wouldn't you have to have Patrick Bateman go to your job for you? Wouldn't you have to have a Christian Bale lookalike go to your job and sit in? Otherwise, you know, they'd know you'd lied. I mean, this is the issue. Like, I feel like the only people who would be able to pass these tests would be like love people on Love Island, right? The ones okay. who actually have like the really chiseled jaws and like the symmetrical abs and stuff. Because like I've seen finance guys, right? Very few. They all like to think that they're Patrick Bateman, but very few of them look like him. It's so, basically, it's basically McLovin, but they think they're Patrick Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I don't know if if it's like they're looking for a very what kind of what what's the specific look that they're going for. Uh, they want to see the, the they want to see when you open your eyes. They want to see pound signs. They want to see that you're hungry. Um, 
they they definitely don't want to see that you're white. It just happens to come out that way because they're looking for the best performers. It's they, a weird they, thing how spectacularly bad face recognition works in general. And, and particularly, I don't know if this happens with you, but it seems like face recognition is a bit racist. Every time I look at bit, my iPhone screen, bit. it doesn't open. Yeah. And it's been my phone so, ever since I bought it. Every time I go it's through... Like, you're, not, you're not coming in, mate. Every time I go through Heathrow, this happens. Because you know they have the oh, facial yeah, recognition okay. system. And they have like a British passport and everything. And like, it just never happens. And then you have some fucking border guard looking at the picture of your face. Um, and I was like trying to like rock an emo fringe back then. So like, not necessarily the best kind of photo. But like... Almost. And then when I was in New York last time, they were like, they were, they found it very, they were not convinced that the photo and the passport was real. Mm. Right. So the I, Joker makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I explained to them like the scars came from cooking. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, you know, I, you know, we've been on like the rough end of like facial recognition. Yeah. It's not so good. I don't know if I'm looking to get my, my um, dream job at Juicero, if that's going to like be an impediment to that. I actually, I think I've just realized for most companies what they do want you to do with the camera facing up, and that's lean forward into your iPhone, have a straw like this, and just <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my, his line was so well formed. He's definitely a culture fit here. <laughs> I you have to do it in one of those patterns that like, unlocks the phone screen. It's like an AI, if it's like an AI though, like it's not going to recognize like the chainsaw in the background and everything, right? <laughs> But wasn't that a thing, though, that Google had the facial recognition thing where they clearly had only tested it on white people, and so it wound up not just being unable to recognize black people's faces, but in some cases... Arrested them, right? Didn't like it, it legitimately <laughs> matched, face-matched black people with monkeys. And it was like, it was the kind of thing where it's like, if they had had one person in the room who could be like, this is fucking wrong, we should stop this, it would have... But they were like, no, I'll just release it. Release, put it out there. Like, this is normal. Danny Baker was their quality control guy, wasn't it? <laughs> was like, yeah, now this works. Honestly, when you think about it, I like I like to think of um, facial recognition apps that determine the course of people's lives by dictating their economic activities or putting them in a criminal justice system, kind of like jazz, you know? You just gotta have fun with it. You know, be creative, put it out there, see what works, see what doesn't. You know, hire a guy who just does coke in the shape of a JP Morgan logo off of his iPhone and then put every black person in jail. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's just technology. Put a question mark, the algorithm put, put not a question mark on that of like, if we're going to get rid of that or not. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the thing about it is, it, is it, it legitimately operates on this principle. Well, the machine said it's right. It must be right. And it's like, oh, they have a section on that. Because <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, at the, in the grand scheme of things, what they're looking for are success genes. What, what the, how do you qualify those? Besides... Winklevoss jaws. That's how you define success genes, Winklevoss jaws. <laughs> yes, but I mean, the Winklevi got, got cucked by Mark Zuckerberg, didn't they? No, 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 Here's the thing. I, I have from their website, because this is a company that cannot stop telling on itself. It can't stop. It just keeps doing it. It keeps doing it over and over again. Um, here's how higher view sees itself in the long run of human history, because believe it or not, these criticisms that we're advancing have been advanced in the past. Um, and so they have a long blog post that starts out with a paragraph entitled from natural selection to job selection. <laughs> wow. Wowzers. Oh, who's writing? We love it, folks. Who's we absolutely love it. Who's writing the ad copy? <laughs> Who's doing this? Someone who did really well on the test, clearly. <laughs> Someone who has a lot of success genes. Yeah. 
So when it, you know, the success is a recessive allele. It doesn't always pop up in the Punnett square. Jeez. Charles Darwin and Alfred Wallace's discovery in the natural world snowballed into other disciplines, psychology included. <laughs> and it was never used to justify anything bad. If nature could select the best traits, why couldn't we do the same? Why couldn't psychologists do the same for employers? Why can't we do phrenology still? <laughs> now... I think, again, they may have anticipated this criticism, but they're also, like most tech people, supremely dumb. And so they've anticipated it poorly. <laughs> Unregulated and uncontrolled, most psychological assessment in the 20th century and before offered by, by providers used remarkably unscientific methods for determining top performers. Everything from head size to handwriting skill tests found mainstream use in the private sector. Unsurprisingly, these snake oil assessments rarely offered a good return on investment, which we get oh, is... But now we have science on our side. <laughs> oh, no. We have one more step before we get to science. Maybe they actually mean snake oil as in, like, the snake oil, like, lubricant to, like, put the calipers on yeah. the head and stuff. <laughs> and they're like, well, we don't, we, don't even use, we don't even use snakes, guys. <laughs> We're modern. Our calipers are recyclable. <laughs> um, so... They, so th this, their whole sort of ju justification for why they exist starts out by saying, look, the basic principles of phrenology are more or less right. They've just been used by some bad apples. Um, and then saying, don't, don't worry, we got it right this time, folks. And here's how they got it right and how they know they got it right. The next section... Okay, sorry, I'm actually going to do something different. Can you please guess the title of the ne next section? I guarantee you won't get it. Racist question mark? <laughs> Dot, 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 exclamation point. I guarantee you're not going to get it, but just give, give me Is a go. Is racism in. bad, except when it's good? <laughs> so, I know you got one? Uh, I'm out, I'm out. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, unsurprising. I'm even going to throw it out to the audience. Shout out if you think you can guess the title of the next section. We don't know what selection bias is. Uh, no, they claim to know what it is. Uh, no, uh, every... Everyone who has guessed is wrong. The next section is, of course, called the Civil Rights Act. <laughs> <laughs> and how to get around it. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, um, with the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the stage was set for a new focus in the assessment space. We finally removed bias from the selection process. <laughs> When they made racism illegal. <laughs> yep. We never had a problem with it after that, of course. That's when it all went away. Yeah, in 1984, when racism was banned and there's not a problem anymore. Yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking of a more obnoxious reference of like, when, much like Disney's Fern Gully, when they imprisoned racism inside a tree and just sealed it off forever. No one's been able to access it until now. On closer scrutiny, it had become apparent that some of the most popular um, pre-hire assessment methodologies, such as multiple choice questionnaires and so on, discriminated based on race and gender. No. Never. Surely not after the Civil well, Rights Act. Well, goddamn, folks. <laughs> Who <laughs> could have guessed say. that? I mean, this is legitimately the, 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 the 911 call, hi, someone's trying to kill me. Like, how is that possible? Murder is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to the Civil Rights Act, it was common for organizations to apply generic cognitive tests when making selection decisions, as these were not job-specific and possessed a tendency to adversely impact certain groups. 
They were replaced by assessments that more specifically measured useful job skills. Wow. Thank God we made racism illegal. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it hasn't been a problem since then, and it never will be again, because it's the law. And we have a machine. We, we have an AI. You can talk to your phone, uh, which means that racism isn't a problem. The robot can't be racist because, ev- because Siri answers to everyone, except for Android users. Um, so basically, just, just to sort of sum up where we've gotten to so far with HireVue, they see themselves as using like video interviewing technology largely to continue the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Um, but instead, it's by using your phone camera to determine your job suitability by like measuring the bridge of your nose or how enthusiastically you say something like, um, sometimes I think I'm too much of a team player. <sighs> I have a dream. Indeed. In a lot of ways, it's like fucking worse than the, like, the old like, phreno- ph- like phrenology tests, right? Because it's basically like they're arguing that because we've eradicated things like multiple choice tests and like actual brain measurement that, um, you know, uh, that everything's fine because it's just going to be like a person to person interview as if and as like one of the audience members said, like as if selection bias isn't a thing Mm -hmm. and that we eliminated it. You know, in 1984, as George Orwell said. But also the um, idea that, like, it doesn't even matter what it is that you're saying. It's like, do the muscles in your face move in the correct way? By the way, we only tested this on white people. <laughs> like, maybe you can pass, you can ace this by just doing the Harvard guy voice. You're like, well, you know, I really want to talk like this when I just raise my voice like this when I just raise and respond Wait, to hold questions. On. Hold on. Your face it is, on. It is like, that is a thing. Harvard guy voice is a real it's, thing. It's phrenology for like the LinkedIn, like, like bosses who love LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. Because they read the LinkedIn inspirational post, which is like, you know, they, you know, talking about like the homeless guy who walks into the office, but like one thing, you know, you know, there's like clickbaity things where it's like oh, one yeah. thing changed the CEO's mind and now he makes like millions of dollars for yeah. this hedge fund selling weapons this homeless every guy, year. This homeless guy lost both his legs. Now he walks to work on his arms and like someone making, you know, five million pounds a year yeah. shares it and it's like inspiring. But it's, but it's always like really obscure stuff. Like the one thing always tends to be like, you know, an inspirational anecdote that they say that just happens to come from like the CEO's favorite book, right? Like these things that are like quite obviously bullshit, the stuff like the Tim Ferriss, Jay Shetty stuff, where it's like, you know, aspects of your personality determine your success, um, regardless of like everything else. Well, what I, what I like about this most, um, veering into the series for just a moment, is that what I find so creepy about it is that it turns you as a person into like an object of research. So you have no idea what you're being measured on. You're just being studied according to some inscrutable, bizarre criteria that you couldn't possibly understand and you can't possibly shape your answers to. And instead, it's just going to be like, mm, I don't think he was telling the truth when he said that you know stacking boxes was his passion. I, 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 don't, I don't really believe that he wakes up every morning and says, I'm going to stack some boxes and we'll, f- we'll have fulfillment from that. If only I could fulfill the customer's orders and so on and so on. That's really creepy to me, right? I'm also, really not keen to be an object of study. It also means there's like no recourse. Like if you don't get the job and like you're, in, you're, like, you're convinced that actually maybe there is something to do with like my race or the way that I actually look. And they say, well, number one, a machine did it. So like yeah. not on us. us. Um, you know, I'm pretty, you know, depending on who the psychologists are, like lots of psychologists, depending on what country you're in, but lots of psychologists like work independently. So that's like basically contracting out the phrenology. Oh, they're scientists. They can't be biased. Right. Numbers, yeah. words, words are opinions, but numbers are facts and yeah, can't lie. I, I, I read that a lot in the YouTube comment section. Um, you know, but you know, and how the fuck do you like sue this company? Especially if this company is just like third party software. So it's like, well, the company made the decision. Mm. We aren't we aren't liable for like our weird phrenology tests and also we own every kind of measurement of your cranium. 
I've just um, gone into a weird tangent in my mind as well. I've just finished the Angela Saini's book on Superior, on race science and stuff. And there's this Professor Rushton, who is obsessed with the correlation you probably heard of between brain size and penis size. So what would happen if they <laughs> to test that in AI? Presumably they could add, you know, algorithmic cameras Liar and stuff. Liar view browsers. To- yeah, they could. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be, to be honest, what, that's, what the cam, that's the cam girl but, but I think the thing that freaks me out about it the most, and like I said, venturing into the serious and, and bringing everything down for a moment, it's just the idea that what you say legitimately doesn't matter. Because no. it's not... It's not n- Perhaps a person, like an actual human being, is reviewing this for your responses. But the idea that they're selling to HRs or you know companies companies around the world is that this thing can somehow find out innate details about you based on your face. But like invariably, all this seems to be doing is giving them ammunition to hire the person who went to the elite school and say that it's because of their success genes, as opposed to the fact that they just hire people that look and talk just like them. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, why is this room full of white people who went to elite schools? Well, it's because they're better. The numbers got, don't I, lie. I have this idea that maybe not. this is like a big plot that has been concocted by that guy who restructures the incel faces. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, the incel plastic surgeon who makes so, them all chads. So, so, if, so if you don't get the job at JP Morgan, it's because you're not a chad. And then, then when you're on Facebook, <laughs> like this guy's ad just pops up being, you're saying like, yeah. hey, Heard you didn't get that job at JP Morgan. I have a solution for you. <laughs> Success chins. Very excited to walk into JP Morgan and just see a lot of guys with tall blonde hair, huge bulges, sort of just holding their arms like this. <laughs> the, the virgin consultant and the Chad banker. Um, anyway, no, all that, all of those sort of, I think, quite legitimate criticisms that we've just uh, drawn up. Don't worry. Higher View operates by a set of core ethical principles, and they promise they don't do any of that stuff that we just said. Oh, well, that's all right then. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Uh, cancel the last segment. Uh, we were wrong because they have ethical principles. Um, yeah, but you don't notice that, right? It seems like every time there's one of these disruptive technologies that's owned by a company that's worth like a billion pounds for no reason because it has no revenue, it, any everything they do always just seems to really fuck over workers. It's just a massive coincidence in that way. So, the higher view AI ethical principles are as such. Number one. We are committed to benefiting society. So that's good. By eradicating ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> like so like so her house. Yeah. Yeah, they're turning the entire world we'll Abercrombie and Fit. No, they're turning the entire world into Bergheim. I like them now. <laughs> Sven Marquart writes all of the code. Um, so we recognize that our software impacts individuals, companies, and potentially society at large. Um, good. So we are committed to understanding that impact and being thoughtful in all of our actions to do the greatest good. So totally allayed all my fears. There. Mindfulness Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You'd have to do transcendental meditation for twenty minutes, and if the, if it sees your face twitch, then the the tech company will know you're not truly centered and won't hire you to be their developer advocate. Real, real job title, by the way, apparently, as well as product evangelist. I recently heard product evangelist, and I was pleased. I was very pleased at product evangelist. Um, principle is second. We design to promote diversity and fairness. Which, again, good. I'm th- gl- thank you for saying that, despite all of the possible evidence to the contrary. <laughs> I'm glad my, my fears are assuaged. Um, because HireView uses AI technology in our products, we actively work to prevent the introduction or propagation of bias against any group or individual. Which is, this, that follows logically, doesn't it? 
because it's got AI, it doesn't have bias. Don't worry about it. We're higher of you. We work for every major company. Binary can't see in black and white. There's no race. Yeah. It's zeros and ones. They can't be racist. <laughs> um, we will continue to carefully review the data sets we use in our work to ensure they are both as accurate and diverse as possible. Um, we strive to build teams from diverse backgrounds with diverse knowledge, experiences, and perspectives to best represent the people our systems serve. I like the way strive gives them enough of an escape. <laughs> escape clause. We strive. It's like, happen. But yeah, when we but do <laughs> race science, we just fail forward, you know? All my failures were lessons. Hi- higher, higher, view, higher view is a small bean whom is trying. <laughs> I mean, they'll just write LinkedIn posts about how, like, you know, they had this ambitious startup and, like, yeah, they may have imprisoned a few people by accident, but they learned so much from the experience (laughs) and they've put all that, then they've put all that into their new idea of building uh, recruitment centers, which just happen to look like camps. (laughs) It's absolutely, they're, like, they're, it's going to be, like, they're going to hire uh, the next EU Supergirl who's going to have a heated FBPE <laughs> moment. <laughs> I heard that song for the first time today and it's just like haunting. I haunt, it's it, haunting. It's haunting. Sorry, before we go into this, yeah, I, I are I we know. familiar with the EU Supergirl song she released today? That is... <laughs> we'll, play, we'll play it over the interval. Those, it those, is, those groans of utter just desperation let me know that some of you have heard it diversity and it's like, oh yeah i've definitely heard it it's emotional i was like oh my god we need just i i don't even care anymore hard brexit now <laughs> uh to, to, to keep keep her over there you can you keep her keep her drawing weird weird sort of amateurish portraits of the arc de triomphe of being like i like the cap anyway Third, third ethical principle. Uh, we design to help people make better decisions. Our goal is to develop solutions that combine the strengths of machines and people together in an alloy. We're creating virtual cyborgs <laughs> to improve decision making. Our systems are designed to consume complex data to augment and improve your HR staff. So it's just, it's just very fun. They're just going to get like... Um, it's just get they're good. It's like a Dulux color chart, essentially. But again, it's an app, more or less. So that's that's what they're doing. They're making they're making everyone into uh, very cool cyborgs. How do we feel about that? I'm very excited that I get to look into my phone and have my muscles examined in a totally normal and not racist or weird way. You know, it's just it's because no, for it's science. Cool. I mean, there's nothing weird about that. It's science. It's math. It's numbers, baby. It's it's calculation. What I think weirds me out the most about this, and I'm like, jokes may follow after this, obviously, and I bring it down first, and then Hussein can talk about the Joker, uh, is that a lot of people are just going to like think this is normal and believe in it. Like people who graduate from universities or whatever, like especially folks who are trying to like legitimately, you know, especially folks who are, you know, maybe they're the first people in their in their family to go to college or something like that. They're going to think, oh, this is just normal. I have to do, I have to, I have to stand in front of the big box marked racism with a camera in order to get a job. And like the more this becomes normalized, the more it's sort of like. Because I mean, I'm from the United States. I'm from a country where there's no such thing as paid sick leave for most people. Like people that don't have it stipulated in their contract when they're employed by like a white collar job. There's no such thing as paid sick leave. Like in Texas, they recently just passed a law in Dallas, which is immediately going to get overturned by their Republican fucking Supreme Court. I'm sure that jobs have to offer sick leave, but it doesn't really exist. And the thing about it is, when you talk to an American, you talk about Britain having sick leave. They're like, 
wait, what is this paradise across the ocean? Because it's such a, people are so used to it not existing, they can't even fathom that such a thing could exist. And I just worry that kind of shit's going to happen where it's like, you know, everyone just be like, oh yeah, the race science computer where my brain gets measured. Like I wouldn't get a low score if I was smart. Like that's just going to become normal. And that the insidious thing was the way it sort of, it almost seemed like it could be host technology within, whilst you're playing an Xbox game, it's there reading your face and. It's compiling data yeah, they sets. make it fun. Yeah, they make it fun and exciting as though, yeah, there's it's nothing also insidious. Like part of this bigger trend of like how we see our bodies. So like I have a day job uh, where I like do reporting and I did this story recently about guys who will go to very extreme lengths to change the way that their shape right. actually is, including a guy who chews a rubber ball for two hours a day to get his jaw in a particular way. Um, and other guys who are obsessed with like lifting and doing a particular routine to remove a particular percentage of fat from their face and like there's this whole like there's all these communities on like instagram who of guys who are just like really sad because even though they're jacked they still have like baby fat on their face and they think that it will like stop them from achieving their life dreams right (laughs) whatever those might be and like those are really funny and it's really weird but when i'm thinking about this app i'm like actually like we might actually just see more kind of guys in suits chewing rubber balls on our commutes to work every day because they're worried that like if their jaw goes out of line somehow but like some some you know some university kids is going to come and take their like job at the amazon well, warehouse well, start them at, at eaton presumably at like the <laughs> most high, high schools. But, but i love the idea because they're gonna, they're, they're gonna look at this and see like because there's going to be a number attached to it much like this they're just going to believe that it must be true it's like well uh, guys with more shaped jaws have sex seven percent more of the time and it's like that's going to become so normalized the idea that like Similarly, the success gene is just going to become a thing people accept. I mean, this is stuff that comes from like fucking incel forums, right? The whole like incel victimization around like, you know, chads like have, you know, so-called chads like have better lives because they look physically better. And the reason why they have a better life compared to me isn't because I have a shit personality or like I keep asking girls whether they want to play Warhammer. Um, Some <laughs> girls like Warhammer. <laughs> but... You know, because they look, because they look better, or they have better <laughs> genes, and they have better genetics, and it just and again, it just feeds this really like toxic culture anyway, and it gives legitimacy to it because they can say, well, this company that works with like all these big investment banks won't hire me because. I have like baby fat on my face. I just had an idea for a YouTube channel where like a Winklevoss twin looking guy is like has is just doing Warhammer figurines, like painting Warhammer figurines while a woman just fawns all over him. It's like monetize that shit. You're going to have millions of views. We're removing the stigma. Anyway, this is just proof to me um, that STEM people will believe anything. (laughs) It is the thing to study if you're stupid and want to stay stupid. Uh, however, uh, we are also going to do a brief interval so we can all get food, co- well, not food, but co- coffee, beer, whatever, meet back here in like 10 minutes because I found an American version of Titania McGrath and I'm very excited <laughs> to share the absolute dog shit with all of you people. See you in a moment. All right. Thank bow, you. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Right. Um, so I think we are about ready to get carrying on with half the second, half the dose. 
uh, here at uh, the introductory event of Birmingham. That those lights are going up and down Ooh. and good. I like where they are now. Party. This is a good amount of light for me. This is where we reveal that Riley is part moth. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the moon glowing? <laughs> Look, moth Americans have been discriminated against for too long. <laughs> the nation's lights have been turned up too bright. <laughs> um, right. So, um, there is. Sometimes, um, as I travel through the worst dregs of the internet, looking for the worst possible things so I can read them to an audience of thousands of people that inexplicably wants to hear them, I come across a, a gemstone. I come across something that is so mind-bogglingly insane that I cannot help but share it with all of you fine people. And... I've found a website that I can only describe as Onion QAnon. <laughs> like, what if QAnon had a version of the Onion? Um, and it's called the Babylon Bee, and it writes Onion-style news stories for extremely churchy American conspiracy theorist Facebook dads. And I have... I, I can't stop reading it. I literally cannot stop reading it. I will... Th Very I'd unfair of you to attack my family this way. <laughs> I love Babylon Bee content because that's what it's called. The Babylon Bee. Um, and... You, unfortunately, are all now need to be obsessed with it as well. I'm, I'm very sorry, but that's just how these shows work. And its articles range from the psychotically reactionary to the just sort of downright strange. Um, it's sort of like hearing um, Andrew Doyle write bad poetry in Google Translate. <laughs> so are you ready to hear what... I'm um, American Titania McGrath would write for their version of The Onion because I'm certainly ready to share it with you all. Uh, shall we have the first... Do it. The Bring first it on, headline. Man. Compassionate Christian votes for government to steal money from his neighbor and give it to the poor. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So we've talked about this before, but the operating principle of conservative humor is it always fails because they're so mad. They're yes. so angry that they can't make a joke because they're just like, fucking libs doing their shit. Yeah. They it always sounds like that. Well, it's either they stroke out before they get to the punchline <laughs> and need to be defibrillated or alternatively, and this is more of what happens. you use a defibrillator for a, for a stroke, do you? Ah, I do. In my <laughs> private hospital. <laughs> We're disrupting the medical paradigm. <laughs> Um, or the other one is they just look at a thing the left says and says, hmm, what about the opposite of this? Um, where most of it just seems to be willful ignorance sort of forced through a colander and then turned into content. Um, Hillside, Oregon. A lot of Christians are criticized for not being very compassionate to the poor. Again, much like many of the articles we read on Trash Future, the article could have just ended there and it would have been right. But you can't say that about Larry DeManson, which is an interesting name, a local believer who is so committed to charity for those less fortunate than himself that he always votes for the government to steal money from his neighbor and give it to the impoverished. Uh, you mean taxation? Yes. Oh, yes, Jesus correct. Uh, he always votes to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, 
which of course is not a very Christian thing to do. I hate it when Jesus Christ is a lib. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lib Jesus. <laughs> Everyone everyone knows that the only reason Jesus didn't own a gun and a Range Rover and um, and vote for Trump is that he didn't have the opportunity to do so at the time. <laughs> Quote, the Bible calls on us to take care of the poor, he told reporters. But that's tough because it costs money. But then I was looking over at my neighbors and realized they have more money than I do. Why not just vote for the government to confiscate their wealth and give it to the poor? Problem solved. Yes. 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 That's the fucking point. We're going to take the stuff from the rich and give it to the poor. That's the point. (laughs) Fucking idiot. This is why I love conservative comedy. They just say the thing. And it's like, yeah, socialists want to take money from the rich and give it to. You're not going to believe this. The poor. Oh my god. (laughs) They're discriminating against people of wealth. An actual talking point that some very silly federalist writers have tried to use for a while. Where they were like, ah, oh, I'm going to get on this identity politics train. Wealth, the wealthier a minority, so you shouldn't discriminate against them. <laughs> Demanson no longer has a guilty conscience whenever he sees people in need. Again, yes, good. You, if you're a socialist who's taking the money from the rich and giving it to the poor, you shouldn't have a guilty conscience. Um, I don't personally have to do anything. The government just does it for me. <laughs> Great. But isn't that more efficient in a way than you having to be the person who is like, the arbitrator of charity? I mean, yeah. wouldn't that be? I mean, in the grand yeah, scheme of things, it's actually easier. What we're doing is we're disrupting the charity sector. We're, we're, we're adding new efficiencies from an economy of scale, and that's allowing us to reach a, a greater uh, customer base. I think this is how we're going to sell socialism to tech idiots is we're going to use the language of disruption and they're just going to be like, yeah, perfect. Sign me up. What do I have the idea that's like the good thing is actually bad. It absolutely is. Um, uh, uh, here, here's another one. Another, another article that veers into the psychotically reactionary. Um, and I'll say I, um, I, was, I was hoping Alice was here for this one because she has... She, she has some very, she tends to get very mad about this kind of thing. And when, when she gets mad, she gets very funny. Um, this is where it goes the most Andrew Doyle, but again, filtered through an American boomer Facebook person I've ever seen. Ahem. LGTQ and the plus sign publicly execute B for implying there are only two genders. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> QAnon onion, everybody. <laughs> Do they think that bisexuality means that people believe there's only two genders? Yes, that's what they believe. Oh. <laughs> so it should literally be try or <laughs> instead yeah. of bi. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's they're nth, nth sexual. Absolutely. They're like, it's, you're not woke enough, you, you people who are campaigning for LGBTQ plus rights, because the B says there are only two genders. Got you! <laughs> I mean, it kind of sucks for, like, bisexual people that, like, you know, one of the issues that, you know, about, like, in, you know, the issues around, like, invisibility, um, and the people who are recognizing them are also the ones who, like, don't actually understand who they are or, like, what, what, like, what their existence actually means. No, no. No, this is... I'm pretty sure that the that the higher view AI actually wrote this article. <laughs> it might just mean like boomer dads start calling themselves bisexual, right? <laughs> Wait, because they're like, I'm bisexual because I only believe in two genders. 
Well done. Well done. <laughs> That's the like I c- right now somewhere in Edinburgh. Tanya um, McGra- Andrew Doyle just had a fucking jolt in his brain. Yeah, He's like, absolutely. A great joke just got told. <laughs> um, this it, uh, he is. I this is official TF prediction within. 24 hours of either this episode being recorded or this episode being released, Andrew Doyle as Titania McGrath is going to make a bisexuality implies there are only two genders joke. Watch. I promise you I will be right. Um, Our podcast has reality bending powers. So here is the article. San Francisco, California, of course. In a solemn ceremony outside the LGBTQ plus Center for Love and Tolerance in San Francisco, a famous place that exists, um, the letters... What kind of fucking Sesame Street-ass fucking like, pageantry is this? The letters LGBTQ and the symbol plus gathered to execute their former friend and ally B for its implication that there are only two genders. <laughs> You have been condemned to death for violating section 1A of the political correctness code. (laughs) Someone somewhere believes all this, don't they? They're just, it's true. I can't believe it. They've also like never seen, they've never actually seen like a code of conduct because that would never be like a 1A situation. Like, you know. No, that would definitely, 1A would just be like general table setting. It wouldn't be like, there are two genders. (laughs) No, more than gender Saudi Arabia, apparently. Yeah. Um, you have been condemned to death for etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, reading out the sentence as B bravely stood in front of the guillotine <laughs> do you have any last words B then attempted to say its last words but was silenced I hate bisexual erasure <laughs> fuck this <laughs> no you don't get to say anything said T you're cancelled Q then snapped its fingers in a Z formation <laughs> Oh man, I really, I just, I, I wish this place, this website gave you an author bio because this is one I want to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What has happened to this person? <laughs> they were like, oh God, the trans people are, they're, the trans people are, oh no. So what am I saying? It's every Guardian columnist. I mean, it's, it sounds like a Brendan O'Neill column where the B would stand for Brendan O'Neill. <laughs> No, this is this. I hate to say it. This is a Brendan O'Neill column. If he got a lobotomy, <laughs> <laughs> but then he might not do well on higher view. Yeah, and that would be unfair. He wouldn't be able to advance his media career. Oh shit! We forgot to say something in the higher view segment, which is that um, China does this shit all the time. Oh yeah. Um, which is just further proof of our our hypothesis that the capitalist West is just doing things that communist countries. Uh, they, they claim to do, but expensive and bad. <laughs> it happens all the time, folks. So, um, G then donned its executioner's hood and gathered its axe. Wait, 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 wait. wait. G- executioner's hood. It sounds like a fucking episode of like Did you say like the letter G? Please. The letter G, yeah. What? Is that... Am I missing something? What? L G gay. Oh, gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what? the least woke thing ever wow. said. Well, oh my are gosh. you cancelled, Beth? Fucking gay erection. I'm cancelled. I'm cancelled. H is for the chop next. But then, G didn't need the axe because they were killing B with a guillotine. This person needs an editor. <laughs> this story could have flowed way more cleanly. Uh, but G said it completes the outfit and makes it look, quote-unquote, fabulous. 
This is clearly someone who has lived in a basement for their entire lives. Not only have they never met an LGBT uh, plus person, I don't think they've met another person. It's also the flourishes, right? They just suggest that they're quite fascinated with the idea. Oh, some yeah. putting it's, execution as much. I mean, it's like an AI, but if the the only thing the AI learned was like Andrew Doyle's comedy routines. and Sesame Street and Sesame, yeah, yeah. Well, please, please. But, I, but I agree with your point that it seems like something that it, written by somebody who wants to make a conservative comedy joke, but also is deeply fascinated by queer culture. Right. In the sense that it's like they're, they're like then they did those dirty things I'm not allowed to talk about. And it's like why don't you just admit. In, in my second favorite, because the Babylon Bee is now my favorite publication online, in my second favorite publication, formerly my favorite, The Conservative Woman, which is, if you've not read it, it's where, like, if a Tory MP or SPAD is going to complain that an airport is too full of SJW guards, that's where they're going to do it, is The Conservative Woman. It is the bottom of the barrel, and I love it. Um, Anne Widdicombe being a patron. Oh no, Anne Widdicombe <laughs> is a centrist for the conservative woman. It's great. <laughs> yes. Um, because it's like, no, Anne Widdicombe doesn't want to nuke Ireland. Um, the conservative woman uh, would continue, like runs a series during Pride Week every, um, or say Pride Month and during like the Pride Parade, always runs columns by this one vicar who goes to Pride and details all of the sinning and scandalous Portrait. outfits in very microscopic detail. And it's like, and then I, and then they were all wearing, they were all wearing the thongs and you could just see everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I had to, I went to see all the sin on display, of course, to tell you about it, to tell everyone here at the conservative woman. Um, anyway, I think this is a version of that, but again, Sesame street, also a basement in cell. Um, Ahem. Uh, G forced B down onto the ground. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love this. Bent its upper stroke underneath the sharpened blade and activated the guillotine, instantly slicing B in two. Unfortunately... That's not how a guillotine works! <laughs> yeah, a guillotine is like when a wizard cuts a... Cuts a wizard, a magician, rather, cuts his assistant in half. You know, sorry, not sorry. A, a magician, not a real wizard. Obviously, you need to go to university for that and do a higher view. Um, is this like an anthropomorphic B, and they cut yes, the letter B yes. in half? Unfortunately, B became. Sorry, this is this is just so darling. This next line, it's very cute. Unfortunately, B then became two D's, which is problematic because that can stand for Donald Trump. It can't. It How? can't stand for that. Donald Dump. I'm lost. Donald Trump. <laughs> Holy shit! The Babylon Bee is accidentally a lib publication. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump. If you hate immigrants so much, why don't you remember that you were once a filthy immigrant? Oh, the lit. Oh, the center. They keep fucking up so badly. Anyway, so those D's, of course, obviously had to be executed, and thereby became J's. This is really meta now. They've like literally. <laughs> I mean, this is just like, this kind of involves like, a very extended visual metaphor. Yes. It's sort of like cutting up letters until they're just made into abstractions. I'm so, I'm so mad about the genders I'm imagining executing the alphabet. Execute the entire English language. This feels like I'm one so of so mad. Slightly eugenic like logic tests as well. If you make it to the end of this article and you're able to inverse. Then you get to control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get to control the global economy. Can you see a J in reverse? Like, if you can draw what the final shape of these letters is at the end of this article you can work at a hedge fund too oh god uh okay uh i've got a couple more 
I've got a couple more. I, I, t- I told you, I love this website. It's so great. Um, how, how many of y'all like Brett Stevens, by the way? Because that's about to come up. We, how, many, how, many, how many of us like the New York Times uh, op-ed page? Because right. they have some opinions about it, which is weird, given that mostly it supports their point of view. New York Times to run all facts by angry pitchfork-wielding mob before going to print. In an effort to improve the newspaper's ability to communicate the truths that its readers want to hear, the New York Times announced Tuesday that its new fact-checking process will be running all facts and headlines by an angry mob of liberal protesters before going to print. That is absolutely like an Andrew Doyle joke. I got a question. Yeah. When was the last time you saw an angry mob of liberals? <laughs> yeah. total, that seems like there. a fucking contradiction oh, wait, yeah, no, in terms. I know, I know the last time. It was the Wolferendum. <laughs> when, when tens of thousands of home counties people with uh, yellow triangles in their Twitter names all walked their dogs through Parliament uh, to protest Brexit. Didn't you say you were going to recall EU Supergirl at some point? At some point? Exactly. EU, the, a, a liberal angry mob contains EU Supergirl and she sings to you and draws your portrait, which is a form of a war crime. Um, every fact and headline will be meticulously checked by a group of angry leftists before it's approved for publication, which would rule. I mean, if there's anything we do know, it's that the leftists love the New York Times. Oh, that's yeah. The thing, that's the thing that they do, though, is that they always use the terms liberal and leftist interchangeably. And I know yeah. this because I recently had an article on a website called, I want to say it was called, like, biz, bizpacknews.org. I remember. <laughs> that referred to me as a lib podcaster. And I was like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm not a lib. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> but it's one of those things where you notice this, that they'll use those terms interchangeably because they can't conceive of there being a difference between the two. You mean the, you can be leftover? Obama? <laughs> no! Because that is absolutely like the Piers Morgan thing. It's like, oh, you're a communist? What about your hero, Barack Obama? And he acts like this is going to be some kind of a fucking own. It's like, uh, yeah, like, I don't like him. Funny how that works. But like, imagine how on a day-to-day basis happy a writer for the Babylon Bee is. <laughs> These are people who walk around with just giant rictus grins plastered all over their faces because they just, they see the world like Charlie Kelly does in his imagination where it's all just cartoons. Um, anyway, so, you know, and the New York Times op-ed page is now run by avowed communists like Brett Stevens and David Brooks. Um, the Times has been known for bringing you all the news that's fit to print as long as it doesn't challenge the leftist worldview in any way. Uh, said New York Times executive editor. That's why we're taking this next step to make sure ideas, facts, and details that might fly in the face of your preconceived liberal notions about the way the world works are all left on the cutting room floor. You know, like the rampant climate change denialism that gets printed in the New York Times op-ed page. I just love the idea. I mean, it's just because... If you read the New York Times, you see how insanely right-wing it is. And I mean, I, okay, like, yeah, it, it might be like... Or that left-wing caused the Iraq War. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean... Or that left-wing caused bombing Libya. Or that left-wing caused bailing out banks and not bailing out mortgages in America. Which definitely didn't lead to fascism no. in any way. This is the, it didn't happen. This is because they cannot conceive... Imagine if you are a writer for the Babylon Bee. You live in Des Moines, and you've never been outside your gated community. Yes. And if you tr- and you think like uh, 
I, I, well, sometimes I, just because I hate myself, I like to search fun things on, on Twitter, like, um, it, quote, liberals like Mao, comma, Obama, unquote, to find people who are making lists of liberals that include both Mao and Obama. <laughs> and these people all write for the Babylon Bee. I'm um, fascinated by it. It's, 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 even some of my friends have kind of got sucked in this binary way of view in the world. So if you're not on their side of the political discussion, then you advocate gulags. And I don't know why these Jordan Peterson fans always run towards gulags yeah. as evidence of your communist delusions of grandeur, oh, yeah. but like, what, what's that about? <laughs> I, I, look, I, that's because every Jordan Peterson fan really actually wants to be put in a gulag because it's an easy room to keep clean. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you get, to you get to live on the, not a diet of lobster, but the same diet that lobsters live on. <laughs> um, but uh, also, it's like, I don't think that that person, the person who tweets liberals like Obama and Mao, I don't think he can conceive of someone more left-wing than Obama. I think his brain would melt out of his ears if he tried. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so here's like how... Stalin and uh, Emmanuel Macron. Yeah. Famous yeah. partners in crime, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like how Joe Manchin's going to start collectivizing farms... Oh, I forgot him in the UK. <laughs> like how Chuck <laughs> Romano's going to start collectivizing farms any day now. <laughs> Um, so, Times editors will hold a copy of the paper up in front of the review team, which consists of 300 angry, unemployed liberal arts college grads. They're not unemployed. They're on your review team. Copy it at your own fucking article. If the review team screams and begins throwing feces around, the headline will be deemed problematic and sent back to the writers for another pass. So, yeah, that's, um, this is, this is, this is the writing of someone who has never left a gated community. <laughs> But has a furtive imagination. You got to hand it to them. I mean, this that's is really creative. This is the thing. It, this is the thing. This is genuinely very creative. Art. But I think about this sometimes because you look at the Titania McGrath thing, and like I, I hold the argument that more people have enjoyed a grindcore concert than have ever laughed at a Titania McGrath joke because it's one of those things where it's only funny if it's like you have this bitter taste in your mouth because someone has owned you online. You're like, oh, see this. This rectifies all of that. Somehow, this joke that makes like the lamest of Facebook dad jokes somehow is proving me right that actually the good thing is bad, the bad thing is good. You know, Jeremy Corbyn is Stalin, etc. And it's like seeing this done for the United States makes it just feel as though I don't know how to describe this, like as though there's just this common brainworm that infects a certain kind of person in both Britain and the United States where it's like, I can only conceive of things up to a point and there's a limit and everything else past it is the same. Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. The New York Times, communist somehow. Yeah, absolutely. But, Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn, death camps somehow. I don't, I don't know. Like, it makes sense in my mind. But at the same time with these like, with, and the Guardian's like sort of included in this as well, which is that over the kind of past, ever since like the whole Trump thing, the whole idea of like, Reaching Wait, to what? the Trump thing, the whole Trump thing, he, this Trump the, the Trump, the Trump, Trump. the Trump oh, stuff. Oh, Sorry, right. I, 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 forgot, I forgot. I forgot oh, what we are. Funny name, forgot, baby. Yeah. The, the Trump stuff. Um, you know, uh, there's been this capitulation to the, you know, the whole like reaching to the other side. Um, getting you know, uh, fucking Niall Ferguson to like write op eds every like every month and stuff. And they do this on the basis that like we want to hear all sides of the argument, i.e., that like this absolutely insane side which equates Mao to Obama like is a legitimate point to make um and in spite of all that like these right-wing publications just do not give a fucking shit about 
anything the New York Times does. Like the whole like opinion page of the of the New York Times was now designed in a way which was supposed to reach out to all sides, which was why Barry Weiss and Brett Stevens and David Brooks are like are on the editorial board, and Barry Weiss like you know commissions all the copy from there, and yet like none of the right wing like these fucking right wing youtubers and stuff give a fucking shit and they still believe that the ny time the new york times is like the communist manifesto oh, yeah. but worse yeah like the, the ultra communist manifest the communist woman manifesto because, because, <laughs> because it has a trickier crossword yeah. yeah it's a it's like they it's it seems as though all of these all of these people that you're talking about hussein all are very certain that like you know kawaii kek himmler 420 on, on as a YouTube commenter is not going to call them, you know, a, a gulagging communist just so long as they can listen to them enough. And it's just a way of pissing into a black hole to try to get it to collapse. It doesn't make sense and time goes very slowly because it's very tedious. See, I, I want to I I like, catch lovers like a fucking awesome username. But. I want to point something out really quickly because, I mean, we talk about this and, and obviously like we bring it down periodically where it stops being jokes and starts being serious commentary. But uh, when you talk about media in the United States, or you know, even in Britain too, like here's an example of centrist, sensible media written by adults, so that you can understand the facts at hand by Megan McArdle. Oh yes, yes, yes! famous, famously centrist, smart libertarian columnist. Apparently, so Headline, smart. Be- she has so be- many good kitchen gadgets. Beware of blaming government for London Tower fire. The subhead. Perhaps safety rules could have saved some residents, but at what cost to others' lives? There's always a trade-off. That is centrism. That that is centrist, sensible adult politics. It's like, well, uh, safety rules might save you from burning in a fire, but they might inconvenience people who have to do inspections. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we can't tell if they're good or bad. No, we can't do we can't do anything. We just have to let capital do what it wants because capital's naturally occurring. And I, it's and I like guess gravity. I, and I guess I bring that up because, like, to be serious about this, is that if that is portrayed, that's written and published by people who think that they're being responsible because they think that there's an extent to which there can be like a compromise. But no matter what you do, whether it's fully automated luxury gay space communism, like our podcast recommends, or if it's terrible neoliberal centrism, people at the Babylon Bee are going to still write about like Mao and Obama, the communist brothers. It's going to happen that way. So it's like, you might as well do something that fucking helps people as opposed to just like, you know, well, we'll reduce your student loan payments by 1% per year. Maybe, maybe you can afford a headstone. Like, mm, no, as though I, that's a fucking solution. No, I think we should just stick with what, with what uh, a lot of centrists of Britain have been doing, which is clever protest signs referencing Harry Potter. <laughs> if we get enough of those going... Then I, we're I, going to take power. I gotta say That's this. What Marx wrote. I gotta say this. Milo Edwards, our, our great friend, podcast partner, who is not here because he's in Edinburgh, who recently suffered. Uh, his father recently died. He can't be here tonight. We love him very much. Milo once made a point about the the liberal consensus, the liberal the liberal mindset, which is that they believe there is a button in Ten Downing Street that has this has a stop stop Brexit button that Jeremy Corbyn refuses to press, although he doesn't reside in Ten Downing Street, and there's a lever. That's marked. It has socialism at the top and has neoliberalism at neoliberalism at the bottom, and you can just push it between the two. And there's also a button marked racism, but it's been pushed so many damn times. There's no text left on it. Okay, and it's one of those things where it's like if you could just push Jeremy Corbyn, just needs to go into number ten and push the stop Brexit button, and then everything is solved. Yeah, exactly. That button has the crest that. of Gryffindor on it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I have I have one I have one more article from the Babylon Bee that I would like to share with you. I have read so many of these, and now you all have to as well because I'm afraid. I think what does I'm, a bee have to do with Babylon? Um, 
Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a B in his name. American newspapers. Uh, American newspapers a, have weird names. It was a Babylon A, and it got yeah. platformed. <laughs> it was. It, I, I think it, it, it's it's like a Cardi rapper. B. Yeah, in the same vein, right? <laughs> well, look, there's a colony collapse disorder. If you don't have enough bees, we're not going to get any crops. <laughs> we need as many bees as possible. In this case, it just happens to be a reactionary version of the QAnon onion. Um, so here is the last uh, Babylon Bee article for this evening. Um, it is, I think, probably my favorite one because it has the greatest flowering of imagination of any of the Babylon Bee articles. Woke polar bear. <laughs> This already you, sounds really amazing. Already, you all know oh where God. this is going. <laughs> Woke polar bear apologizes for being white. <laughs> San Diego, California. What the fuck is it doing there? It's hot as shit there. It's a Navy SEAL. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to canoe some SEALs. They recruited um, it for ice, literally. <laughs> A polar bear at the San Diego Zoo has apologized to black bears, brown bears, and all other mammals of color for his problematic whiteness. The bear, and here's where the flowering of imagination begins. Nate quite rightly has his head in his hands. The bear, quote, got woke after a leftist protesting the zoo for keeping animals in captivity bravely leapt into the bear's exhibit. After eating the protester, the polar bear read the book on critical race theory the woman had in her pocket. Anyway, so, like, I have, okay, I have a great way to own the left. We know how they're always saying that it's okay to be white, a slogan that's only said by Nazis is a Nazi slogan? We're going to say, what if a polar bear ate someone and then read a book? <laughs> wow, he said. Like polar bears often say, I never realized how problematic my existence was before. I really need to think about this. Shortly after reading and then eating the book, <laughs> the polar bear, whose name is Chad, Chad the polar bear. Nice. I can see a like, polar bear with his alt-right haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Slicked back on the top. Swoopy undercut for the alt-right polar bear. The polar bear, whose name is Chad, held a press conference in which he apologized for his many years of not being woke. I'm so mad about, I'm so mad about Black Lives Matter, I'm going to imagine that a polar bear had a press conference. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Babylon Bee boils your mind. It, it, is, it is infectious. I'm patient zero of the Birmingham Babylon Bee outbreak. You kind of picture them out at the zoo one day, yeah. sort of concocting these stories, and just seeing oh, a polar yeah. bear. No, just okay, okay. What's a white animal? What's a white, white animal? animal? Polar bears. Yeah. So out of all this, out of all the stuff that's been said, the thing that is most bizarre to me is that the polar bear would be called Chad. But also, I love the idea that like the polar bear, because it's fur is white, is somehow as a race. <laughs> the yeah. idea that it's like, oh yeah, this 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 the polar bear. We we have we have segregation in the animal world, and polar bears are white somehow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it's because, you know, there's no such thing as history or politics or society. It's just all of the stuff individually that makes you mad because you don't understand it. Also, Fair. bears have press conferences. <laughs> and bears well, a polar bear would be in fucking San Francisco. San Diego. Even San Diego. San Diego. Diego. Um, I am so sorry for everyone I've hurt by being white, he said. I am here by canceling myself. Please listen to bra black and brown bear voices. 
He also announced that he was demoted to... Sorry, this is my favorite bit. Because the, the whoever writes this beautiful website um, just has such a wonderful imagination. He also announced that he was donating his remaining walruses to minority bears in need. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> walruses are currency for bears, Nate. <laughs> fuck. Read a book. <laughs> God damn it. Learn something. If Leonardo DiCaprio just had a seal under his pocket, yeah. the Revenant could have worked out completely differently. <laughs> so what you're basically like, saying is that <laughs> the polar bears practice slavery and their slaves are walruses? <laughs> but the most discriminated against are the bra- black and brown bears who are also in the polar bear exhibit. And you know that because the bear gave a press conference where he promised to donate his walruses. Did, the next, anyway, in Northern California, the alphabet was committing genocide on itself. <laughs> did, did the person who wrote this story, like, did they think that like the animated version of Animal Farm was a documentary? Um, the overwhelming whiteness of the polar bear community should give us all, and I'd like you to take a second to think about how this next word is spelled, pause. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, you love a pun in this country. Come on, give it a hand. Give it a fucking hand. The bear then escaped the zoo, devoured several people, and cast himself into exile on an ice floe for his crimes. Where would the ice floe come from? It's San Diego. (laughs) San Diego. It's hot as shit there. Where would he go? No, it's... um, What do they say? He also, oh, I just randomly committed a murder. Like, what? No, there's, sorry, there's Uber for ice flows now. It's only in California. Oh, my. Anyway, so what do we all think of the Babylon Bee, folks? Do we like the Babylon Bee? Yeah, man. Oh, man. I'm so sorry to have introduced all of you to that, but I'm equally sorry for having introduced all of you, introduced everyone here listens to the show. I'll force you to sit through another episode of Trash Huger because I think that's it for us tonight. Thank you for coming out to the Warehouse Cafe. Thanks, everyone.